Welcome to For the Record, behind-the-scenes insider podcast with Colin McCall, where we take a forward-facing look at your environmental requirements and help you make your EHS program an indispensable and strategic part of your company's growth. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter. And now, here's your host, Colin McCall. Welcome, everybody, back to the podcast. As you know, in this podcast, we always try to cover forward-looking issues, certainly things that are innovative and things that will help folks with their EHS programs and their ESG programs and all the above. So I'm very excited in that vein to be joined today by Marjorie Moore. Marjorie is the CEO of ESI. That is spelled E-H-S-A-I. And the reason I'm excited is that we at all four have partnered with ESI and we're also users of the ESI tool. And it is a very innovative way to help EHS folks and other folks in the general space really go through their requirements. And it really helps them a lot with compliance and efficiency and all that good stuff. And I won't get into it because Marjorie will cover all that. But Marjorie, welcome. I want to pass it over to you to maybe give some insight into some of your background. I know you've spent time in the environmental and sustainability spaces and a little bit about you. And then I guess by extension, Esai and how Esai came to be. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me, Colin. This is so exciting and very excited about the partnership with all four as well. I just got a great team over there, very forward looking yourself. So that has, I think, helped you kind of get on the bandwagon with AI and figuring out how AI can help transform EHS, which is what we do. It's been something I've been working on for 25 years. I got my master's in environmental data management back in 2000, seems like ages ago, and then worked for ICF Consulting and their IT systems group, and then got poached by Bloomberg BNA and developed lots of tools and products over there. So near and dear to my heart has been automation of compliance right from day one. At Bloomberg BNA, I helped build a bunch of products to operationalize the content, the huge global libraries, and then create auditing wizards. And it's just what I like to do. And I left Bloomberg BNA in 2017 because I realized that everybody just wants a quick way to be able to quickly assess their compliance obligations. Nobody wants to read anything. We were selling huge databases, global regulations around the world, and people were just like, hey, can I just have a checklist? I just want to know what I need to do. I don't have time to read everything. And so I'm like, well, maybe, you know, AI, you know, natural language processing and machine learning could do this. It's doing it in the legal industry. And NLP is being used in many, many industries to deconstruct documents. And so I jumped ship and went out on my own and funded a POC, brought my founder, co-founder with me, Greg Gasparaz, who had created Inviance back in the day. And we started uh, mapping out what would it look like to deconstruct a, a regulation or a permit? You know, how would we teach an algorithm to do that? Basically institutionalizing the thought processes of an EHS consultant for this one step, this huge step, which is really expensive. And it can take, you know, days, maybe weeks to deconstruct a permit, a whole day to do one regulation. And people should not be doing manual transfer with a pen. They should be just going straight to the analysis and then figuring out what they want to do with that information. And so that was the idea we had. And through 2019, 2020, and then 2021, we have grown from just three people and an idea 
to uh, 40 people on a full platform out there with lots of customers, helping us also understand where else we can go with this platform. And I, I'm looking forward to diving into that in a few moments. So as a woman-led you know, AI company in Vancouver, Canada, it's been a challenge. It's been hard. We were acquired by Fortif, so we have tons of cash and momentum to execute on our roadmap. And I, I just think 2022 is going to be an amazing year. Quite an undertaking. And Marjorie, let's get into that automation piece. I know that's a big piece of the tool. A lot of our audience are probably EHS professionals, but not all. So let's look at the automation a little bit. And you talked a little bit about the big task that EHS professionals have always had in front of them to take something big and distill it down. Expand a little bit on what that task has been historically. And you started to mention sort of manually doing things. Tell me about the the challenge of the task, what you've seen in the past, and some of the, I say here pros and cons, but maybe more cons of sort of the old way of doing things. Just walk through that if you could. Well, sure. You can just imagine any company, any size has a permit and they have regulations and standards and operating procedures, consent decrees. There's just a ton of information that kind of regulates how they exist and do business on the planet and interact with their employees. So it's a ton of information that's constantly a wave after wave. My experience in Bloomberg just saw the exponential growth of regulations globally. And I'm just like, this problem's not going to go away. And humans, you know, humans are limited in just in the fact that they get tired, they're inconsistent in interpretation, they're pressed to the wall, and they constantly have to prioritize risk based on what the, the time they have, the money they have, and and again, the priorities that they have in front of them. So being able to automate that. And so instead of having to sit down and read a 100-page permit, and you know, and, and I've heard from people like the worst permits are like Title V air permits, for example. So of course we started there with learning, teaching the algorithm how to deconstruct that. Standards regulations are easy compared to a Title V permit, and you know, all of them take hours and hours, and somebody to read every single line and determine is this a requirement or not? Where else does it uh, relate to other requirements in the document? You know, is there a frequency or a time on this? Is there some kind of like applicability overarching that I need to look at? You know, there's so much that goes on and every person does it slightly differently. And that's why consultants come along like yourselves to standardize that, create your own, you know, ways to do it. But it's still hours. It's still labor hours. And the beauty about natural language processing and machine learning is that it can cut that down to just a few minutes because it's learned that one thing really well. And an algorithm is like a child. The more you teach it, spend time with it, the better it gets. And so, you know, we've gone from a child, from an infant to a toddler, and it's just getting better all the time as more people use it. So our, our, our proposition really is to take away that manual step and provide an output immediately that can then be analyzed and reviewed. So you get the output, spend the time on the analysis, not on the line by line deconstruction. And this product was created by EHS professionals. You know, between Greg and I, we had 67 years of experience. So he was he was in the he was in the market a lot longer than I was. <laughs> that way, but we um, 
you know, he actually was a, a, he worked for the EPA. He deconstructed and created, he wrote permits and then later enforced them uh, right at the beginning in the early eighties when enforcement just, you know, kind of got going. So he had that historical background. I came from publishing and EHS uh, automation and IT. So it was a really good marriage uh, together to figure out how to institutionalize that knowledge again. That's what we want to do is we want to help companies spend the time and money on the really important tasks so they can start moving down the continuum of compliance to sustainability and ESG. And who knows what's going to be coming up uh, shortly with climate. It doesn't look, it's not looking good for things to become more simpler. And uh, we just need more automated tools to help people. It's just, you know, just the way it is. Marjorie, I want to talk a little more about the output of the eSci tool. But before I get into that, I want to maybe specifically address some audience members who are listening and saying, this seems really hard. This seems like a big undertaking to have an AI tool that can read something like an environmental permit, something that's so complicated and got all these layers to it and really understand it and piece it out enough to then have a useful output of the requirements. But you had mentioned in your intro that the the use of AI for things like this or or in other fields is actually something that's been done historic that you mentioned some legal um, kind of thing. So yeah. I was just wondering if you could expand on that a little bit more in terms sure. of it, this, it, this is something relatively new for EHS professionals, but maybe not so much in other fields. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. In a presentation I give, I, I kind of talk about, you know, fintech, you know, if you if you look at fintech, wealth tech, travel tech, reg tech, compliance tech, we kind of fit into compliance tech. But, um, you know, legal tech and fintech have been around a long time. And that's the use of a lot of AI driven tools to deconstruct very, very complex financial data. And then on the legal side, law firms have been using AI, whether they know it or not. But there's hundreds and hundreds of tools out there to help you deconstruct a lease agreement or an invoice or a contract uh, you know, those have been around and being used for quite some time. And there are hundreds of companies, you know, doing this. We don't have any competition right now. There's no standalone platform that has been uh, curated for the EHS and generally permitting compliance professional. It doesn't have to be just EHS, but it's definitely permit compliance construction realm. And we took a different tactic than a lot of the other companies out there because we made it very specific to this user group because we know how important completeness is and accuracy and consistency is. Not that that's not important in the legal industry, but we took the extra step and took the extra cash time and money and the extra couple of years to really train the algorithm on that. A lot of the tools out there, I think there's tons for like lease deconstruction, invoice deconstruction. Um, you know, they're pretty standard contract deconstruction, but when you get to compliance documents, they vary quite a bit. And so we can do permit, standard, regulation, procedure, plan. We really kind of looked at the ecosystem of docs and, and, and curated the output just for that. But just, you're right, to let people know, this isn't brand new, maybe to our industry, but it's been used, it's been used for over five years in other industries. That makes sense. And that, let's talk a little bit now about the output. I've got a permit. Um, I've got a regulation. I'm going to have the ESI tool read it, interpret it, and I'm going to get an output. Walk us through what what does that output look like? What are the what are the things that folks get out of the tool? 
Well, the, the first iteration of our output back in 2019 was pretty simple. Uh, you take a PDF version of a document and then it creates a structured output. So you go from unstructured, messy PDF and image file upside down, stains in the margin, weird characters. We can clean it all up. You go through a couple steps within our system now, but in, at the very beginning, it was very simple. Load it up and you came, you, it, the structured output was a couple columns. The requirement, you know, the citation number, the requirement, and then related requirements. And then we have since over the last couple of years expanded that enormously so that we're getting more and more information. And we have worked with many early adopters, um, you know, like folks at your company, for example, to help figure out what the next gen was. And so we now have not only the citation number, the requirements and the requirements are all the children of the requirements and you can turn it on and off the citations that are related, but now we have frequency. So what's the frequency of that? Is there an action item here? We're looking at asset type, emissions information. So if there's tables in the document to bring out that emissions information, and we are gonna be doing in the new year tasks. So every requirement will have a, like an, a, a easy to understand task. So no longer we have to type and maintain enormous databases of tasks. And to your question earlier, you know, I think was, was you know, why is this, better than the human way. Right. And it comes down to a couple things. And we've heard from lots of people that for headquarters, it's the consistency. Of course, it's the cheapness of it because it's vastly cheaper than, than labor hours. But it was the consistency and interpretation, being able to finally know that whoever deconstructed somebody in the company, uh, whoever deconstructed document in the company, they would get a consistent output. And that's never been done before because you have people who are in varying degrees of tired or fatigue. They're off to an audit. They have to read everything uh, at the in the in on the plane. And they're just like, I'm just going to focus on the really important stuff. Now we can do that themselves. And then the facilities, it's also cheap. It's the it's how affordable it is, but it's the uh, it's the speed and accuracy. So right. that was really interesting. It kind of boiled down to speed, accuracy, affordability, and then consistency. And that was something new for us was really seeing how much the consistency and interpretation really resonated with everybody because that's just never been uh, you know able to do before. I know over the past several years, as more and more folks have used the tool, you've gotten a, an opportunity to see and really start to measure what some of those impacts are in terms of speed and in terms of accuracy. So you've been able to sort of compare and contrast the old way against the AI way. Yeah. Anything you could share with the group about some of the findings and maybe some of the uh, the metrics that you've been able to accomplish uh, uh, and that the users have been able to accomplish on those two fronts? Sure. I mean, it, the number one thing was cost and speed, was mm -hmm. not having to spend 40 or 50 hours on deconstructing one document. And and it's, that's a pretty easy value proposition to prove. It's like, how long did it take you to do it now? How long did it take you to do it with ESI? And it's roughly 60 to 80% faster. It depends on the complexity and how messy the document is. If it's a 200-page document that's really messy and our system, you have to check the pages for extraneous you know, items and, and uh, characters, that's going to take a little longer than if it's a 15-page completely clean document. So it's all it's kind of all over the map, but roughly it's you know 80 to 60% time savings and therefore it's probably around 80% cost savings as well. So, you know, it could take 10, 20, 30, $100 a page historically, depending on if you had a lawyer do it 
or who was doing it. And now we can do it for a couple bucks a page. That is the astronomical um, savings that's happening. And, and you'll see that in any industry that's using NLP to deconstruct documents like the illegal industry. How about on the side of the, you know, the, I know folks, I, I think we're confident people. So we think we could read through a, a permit or a regulation and get everything right, or at least most things right. How does AI stack up against a person when it comes to getting things right and getting the right <laughs> provisions into a document? Because I know different folks will have a different perspective well, totally. on, well, on their own abilities versus AI. So how does that stack up? In your, well, in you what know, we're you not see? saying we're magic that, you know, if we saved you 20 hours, spend 15, 20 minutes and look at the output. Right. So often if there's a weird character and the AI has not seen that character before, it might render a requirement as optional or a descriptive statement. So we have all sorts of features in the system so that you can see how the algorithm is rated that, uh, you know, is it a requirement or not? But overall, when I, you know, in my historical experience at my other jobs, you know, the human, the error rate for humans was around 80 to 82 to 87 percent. So, you know, there was a kind of a margin of error there of 14 to 15 percent. What we're trying to do is get to 100 percent accuracy if you go through the steps and you, you know, you, you pay attention to the document because garbage in, garbage out. But if you spend an hour or two and clean it up, if there, if there are issues, then you're going to have very close to 100% accuracy and the flexibility to change tags if you want as well. But I was pretty clear we need to make sure we're in the 90s uh, because uh, even though this time savings are enormous and it's 80% cheaper, it still has to be pretty damn accurate for compliance professionals to want to look at it. And Marjorie, you mentioned tagging and just to you know make that really clear, part of running the document through the ESI tool and what, what the user has to do is really defining what aspects of the permit we want it to yeah. read exactly. and all that good stuff, right? So that's a that's totally. a whole process that the user does up front, yeah. albeit much more exactly. efficiently than going through exactly. the whole. You just say, um, you upload a 100-page permit and say, I want, to, I want to analyze page 5 to 20, 50 to 80, or do the whole thing. That And then we screen out the footers, headers, and extraneous information that aren't that isn't important. So we're using vision AI and we're using deep neural networks as well. We're using all sorts of cutting edge algorithms to get us to that point. And that's why we have patents. We have several US uh, patents um, that prove that what we're doing is unique and novel and never been seen before. Right. Marjorie, was it, like we said at the beginning, quite an undertaking? Was this just a collection of experiences that you had at some of your previous stops and interacting with EHS professionals over time and seeing this challenge where it got to a point where that collection of experiences made you say, okay, this, this needs to happen. Or were there like one or two that specific things that really, that really made you say, wow, there's something here. I'm just kind of curious how the, the genesis of things and what, what you observed in the past. Well, I might have had the benefit of being born when I was um, and going to university and school in, in 1990 when JavaScript, HTML and web pages were just being created. So I did my master's in environmental data management because I realized we were we, you know, environmental management was paper based. And I worked with the originators of ISO 14001 back in the day. I actually worked with the, with the folks who started that whole ma universal management process. And it occurred to me doing my master's that. This is, I mean, not only is there a lot of content, but we can't do this with paper. This is crazy. 
And that was before kind of robust environmental software systems came on. So I've had the privilege of kind of seeing the industry evolve with the compliance problems today over the last 25 years. And I think it's been an accumulation of experiences and then just getting to a point, you know, at 47 in 2017 going, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, companies are spending so much money on stuff that doesn't make any sense anymore. It's because they're buying this because they can't get that. And then they're trying to buy a database or whatever and kind of force it into what they need. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure machine learning could do that little bit. And so it was kind of a convergence and then just kind of, you know, at 47 going, there has to be a better way. I mean, if we're going to get to sustainability and try to slow down climate change, we cannot be doing this manually as more and more regulations and obligations are piled on top of us. And now we have ESG. And everybody's right. grappling and trying to figure out, well, now i got to read 100 more reports. No, you don't have to read them. We'll analyze it for you and you can read the output. That's the only way we're going to be able to get that completeness and full record that companies need. Marjorie, I'm looking for just maybe some general perspective um, from you around, you know, EHS professionals are always thinking about certifying compliance with their permit conditions. Uh, that's kind of the very base bare minimum. Um, EHS professionals are also thinking a lot, especially over the last five years. I just think it's just the way um, that some of the EHS professionals are aging out over time. They're, they're also thinking about turnover and legacy planning and losing a lot of institutional knowledge and all that kind of stuff. I was wondering if you comment on one or both of those things and, and how it relates back to some of what you've shared and the observations you've had over time about where a tool like this could help. Well, excellent question. And I think the catalyst for me actually wanting to do this was efficiency in the market and better compliance. But what I've found since then is that from our customers and talking to other people and kind of, uh, you know, closed meetings where I can go and talk to customers about what they're really doing with AI, it's bubbled to the top that there is a lack of new EHS engineers and new people coming on as we have this high attrition rate. And high attrition rate in our industry, we've been talking about for probably 10 years, but it's really happening now. And folks have said to me, what you've done is institutionalize one part of the EHS compliance process that we just don't have time to, or don't have people to train on anymore. You know, getting an EHS engineer or co-op student to really get them to understand and be trained on how to critically look at a permit, that's getting harder and harder. And so people are grappling with, well, I can't look at all of it. So I'm just going to look at the most important stuff. And I hope we don't get fined or something bad happens because I don't have time. So now we have, uh, you know, with this product and this type of technology, a way to do both is save time, save money, get there faster and better, but also institutionalize a piece of thinking and knowledge, if you will, that is truly walking out the door. And that was, I think, part of Greg and I probably subconsciously ages ago when we first did it, we realized and a lot of our funders and our advisors were and are from the EHS industry in their early 60s looking at the next thing. And all of them, you know, I won't give names to them, but they're heads of the largest EHS consulting and corporations in the world, came on board, helped fund us, helped with this problem, because they said, as I'm retiring, I want to make sure I'm part of setting the stage for success for the next generation. Marjorie, let's crystal ball things a little bit here. AI overall. What's the next step for AI and how it evolves? 
maybe in this specific lane we've been talking about. Right. And then maybe a secondary question would be, is there a sense you have for what other aspects of EHS might AI start to get involved with? So just curious for your perspective, like what's next? Well, you're, now you get into our roadmap, and I and I just finished two days of strategic planning on our roadmap, and some of your folks are helping us with that. Yeah. And so, you know, looking at the macro AI and the planet, to me, with how much data is being created, the cost of crunching data is dropping all the time. We're not going to stop creating data. So now we have AI that can help crunch that information if it's trained properly and help us get to where we want to go. So to me, it's crucial. If companies aren't looking at AI and machine learning talent within their companies like they did HTML and JavaScript 25 years ago, it's a problem. I'm telling people, you got to get talent now, groom up young data scientists, get them in the door, just like you did with JavaScript developers back in the day when you needed a web presence. Very simplistic. This is super complicated. These are PhD level folks. Good luck finding talent for one. But I think that's going to happen. Every company is going to have a group of data scientists, every single company. I do firmly believe that in the EHS realm, you know, as ESI is being kind of the first ones to market here, pushing the envelope, and I'm very outspoken, and I'm really pushing hard on this envelope, because I completely believe in the mission and vision of corporations and the value and worth they have on this planet for many reasons, but they often are dirty. And if we want to keep them around, we got to move them down there. So we're looking at a roadmap that can be kind of like do a whole bunch of things, not just construction of the permit or regulation. We're going to be doing monitoring of regulations and permits, and we're also going to be doing task creation. So you can go from a permit to a calendar task within minutes and then monitor all the changes. And that can be related to the tasks. And that was a vision I had, you know, I've always had right from my master's days of where this could go. So we were doing it. It's going to be an amazing year. After that, we'll see where it goes. We're talking about automation of SDS deconstruction, emission bills. I mean, lots of forms data, I think is the next bastion for us. Marjorie, thanks so much for joining. I'm looking forward to the work together. And for our listeners, I hope that this was a A helpful look at really a new, becoming not so new technique now, an emerging way of really looking at your environmental compliance data and information and permits and regulations, and really just looking at it in a new way and get more efficient and get more accurate. So I hope this was helpful to all of our listeners. Marjorie, any other final parting words or pieces of advice that you want to add? No, nope. I, I would just say, just be brave. Don't be afraid. It's nothing to be afraid of and uh, work with folks or domain experts to give you that confidence, but give it a try. It's the new way. It is the way to use a Mandalorian term. <laughs> thanks again, Marjorie. And to our listeners, as always, thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. Thank you. You've been listening to For the Record Behind the Scenes Insider Podcast with Colin McCall. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter to get weekly news and articles on a variety of timely EHS issues. The content heard on this podcast is not intended to replace an evaluation of the specific projects and regulations that you are encountering at your company.